Good morning. Welcome to our worship service at Reveille United Methodist Church. Whether you are a member or a guest with us this morning, we welcome you and are so glad that you are here with us. My name is uh, Stephen Coleman. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Reveille. Our lead pastor, the Reverend Dr. Pete Moon, is preaching this morning. Today, uh, we are continuing with our second and final uh, Sunday on our stewardship campaign. Our uh, focus today, our in, in stewardship, has been love in action. And today, Pete is going to uh, talk about what it means to earn all we can, to save all we can, and to give all we can. So it's going to be a wonderful service. And we welcome those who are joining with us online, as well as all of you who are here uh, in person. Uh, in the inside of your bulletin, you'll see our uh, pledge cards. Uh, if you have not done so, we invite you to uh, fill out this pledge card, or you can also go online to uh, make your commitment to the church. Uh, and whether you have uh, done the pledge online or with the pledge card, we're going to invite you after the service to come forward and place your uh, pledge in a basket in the front of the uh, sanctuary, and you can kneel and pray afterwards if you would like. But uh, we're going to ask all of you to do this, and if you've already done your pledge, you can just write your name and duplicate on the back uh, and place it in the basket, and we're going to dedicate all our gifts uh, to God this morning. Uh, also today, uh, you can put your love in action uh, by going out to our Habitat house and signing a stud, a note of encouragement or support uh, for our Habitat family. So we invite you to do that after the service. Uh, also taking place at 4.30 this afternoon is our Trunk or Treat event. Uh, so there will be plenty of costumes and candy and uh, games available this afternoon, and we invite you to come back and join us for that event and to uh, invite a friend to join you. Uh, for the rest of the announcements, I invite you to read through your bulletin and take note of everything that is happening in the life of our church. Now, let us prepare our hearts and minds for the worship of the living God. The Lord be with you.
I invite you now to stand in body or in spirit and join me for our call to worship. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he was tempted to save himself. Jesus was offered salvation if he turned stones to bread, if he accepted wealth and power, if he tested God's commitment to him. In all these things, Jesus May our commitment be as strong. May our lives be placed in God's caring hands throughout our journey. Amen. Let us sing together the great hymn of our faith, number 400, Come, Thou Fount of Every Blessing. have gathered into the presence of the Holy God, let us now confess who we are with our prayer of common confession and then our silent personal confession. Let us pray. Almighty God, have mercy on us. You have given us so much, and we take it for granted. You have committed yourself to us. 
but we struggle to make our commitments to you. You have loved us without reservation, yet we are challenged to love our neighbor. On this Commitment Sunday, make us more like you, that our love may be your love. For we ask it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear now the good news. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the Lord's love for us. And as far as east is from west, so far does he remove our sins from us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. I invite you now to share signs of reconciliation and peace with those around you.
Good morning, Reveille. If I can invite any other children to come up and join us. My name is Karen Rios. I'm the director of Children's Ministries. And if any of you are at home and there are children out there, please move a little bit closer to your screen because this time is for you as well. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm still a little bit emotional because that was really pretty awesome. That was really great, guys. That was awesome. So today I brought something really special. Does anybody know what this is or have you seen it? A circle. Okay, it is a circle. I love it. And can somebody read what the circle says? May Louise? Perfect. If you've ever seen this, this, I brought in my round to it today. And I thought it would be really appropriate because today we are talking about not just stewardship, but also you guys have done something super special. And that is, this reminds me that every single resource and gift that we have is given by God to us. And today you guys all, well, you were ringing, you were singing, And those are also super special gifts that God has given you. I'm sorry, what's going on up here is we have noticed that we have a similarity in shirts. And they're wearing the exact same color. That's what's going on. And so, um, you know, and we we could definitely say that, you know what? God gave you those shirts too. So... But sometimes when we have our gifts, we have our money, we have our finances, what happens is people will ask us to use those gifts and we say, I'll get around to it. They didn't get it. And sometimes maybe mom or dad will ask you to maybe do something and you say, I don't feel like it. I'm going to get around to it. not having any help up here. Um, But one of the beautiful things is that because we do get to give back those gifts and talents to God, it makes everything very special. Because we are also in the process of stewardship, we brought back the house today, okay? Because a lot of people in this church, a congregation, have not just given time and talents, but also money to also help us do that wonderful thing for God. So this is an opportunity to remind us all that we don't get to make excuses. So when God gives us things, we give them back to him very willingly. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for all of the gifts talents, and finances that you have given to us. Help us to give them back to you with willing and loving hearts. And please bless Pastor Pete as he gives the message on stewardship today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, now, 
what I'm going to do is today we're going to sit here while the primary ringers get up and go to the bells. All right? So if you are a primary ringer, you can go on to the bells. Everybody else, we're going to hang out up here. And now as the children are making their way back, um, I want to invite Scott Rowe to come forward. Scott has been, been a leader for our church, especially in these last years, and uh, has been working with our discipleship team and leads one of our new Compass, uh, co-leads one of our new Compass courses. And uh, we invited Scott to make his way through the myriad of folks here as he comes to the lectern. Thanks for bringing us a good word today, Scott. Good morning. My wife Courtney and I joined Reveille after church shopping off and on for a few years. We knew that once our daughter Charlie came around, we wanted her to grow up learning the values of Christ's teachings. Never could I have imagined that my own life and spirituality would be so invigorated as we have these last few years. We came looking for children's programs, and what we got was support and fellowship from a vibrant community to help all of us grow. We came looking for scripture teachings, and what we got was a year-long discussion group that opened up new parts of the Bible and all of its many meanings, as well as camaraderie. We came looking for ways to grow in Christ's love, and we became disciples. It is for all these reasons that my family pledges towards the stewardship campaign each year. I have felt transformed by the, from the casual Sunday churchgoer to being inspired on a near-daily basis on how I can better follow the teachings of Jesus. An investment in Reveille is an investment in transformational opportunities that will benefit members, guests, and the surrounding community. In the last few years, I've had the wonderful opportunity to not only enjoy worship and fellowship, but also serve in various capacities. I am truly thankful for the wonderful experiences to participate in Bible studies, book studies, volunteer in the library, serve food to the children and the youth, lead the compass class, and read scripture. 
I am most excited by the work of the Discipleship Committee, on which I am honored to serve, as, it, as Revly expands their spiritual and discipleship opportunities to live out God's teachings. I cannot wait to see how we, the Revly congregation, can grow as the body of Christ in faith this year through all of our many gifts. Thank you. Calm us now, O Lord, into a quietness that heals and listens. Open wounded hearts to the balm of your word. Speak to us in clear tones so that we might feel our spirits leap for joy and skip with hope as your resurrection witnesses. Amen. Today's first lesson is from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. This may be found on page 934 of your pew Bible. Scripture again tells us how crucial it is that we love one another. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second reading for the morning comes from uh, the book of Matthew, reading the 22nd chapter, verses 34 through 40. Will you listen once again for the word of God? When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Your word is offered this day, it is our prayer, that you would speak to each and every one of us. We pray that your spirit would abide in our souls so that we might discern your call upon our lives to love you and love our neighbors with all that we are. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. 
You know, this past Wednesday, we had all our staff gather, and we gathered right outside here at our Habitat House building, and we went to work all day Wednesday. In fact, if you go to our Facebook page, you can see uh, four of our key staff members doing the wearing hard hats and singing the YMCA song. It's great. Just go on. It was awesome. Daniel's out there doing it, too. It was a great thing. Uh, just yesterday, our church council was out there building, and you can see out here, you know, we're working on the second story, and you have the chance to sign all of that today, and there's just been a great week of great things and all sorts of fun going on out there. But you know, one of the things I was fascinated with is when we were out there working, they have just a little piece of paper up there um, introducing our homeowner, the person who's going to be living in this house, with some information about her. Her name is Melissa Mitchell. She is a full-time employee for T-Mobile, and she's pursuing a degree in applied sciences at Reynolds Community College, while, as a single mother, she is raising her school-aged children. And I love you, can, we'll get some more information about that. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to meet her at some point. But what I love most about that whole write-up is a quote that she offered to you and me today and others who've been a part of this. She said this, and I quote, I'm proud that I'm currently enrolled in college while working full-time and raising my children. I would like to say thank you for helping my dream come true. Can you just think about that? Can we just celebrate what you all did by God's grace? You provided generously $100,000 to build a house. You have poured out your time right there on the front of our lawn. And you know what? Because of that, the world is going to be changed. Lives are going to be changed. For gen- There's going to be a place where kids are going to gather around the table in safety. There's going to be a place where kids are going to be sitting down on the living room floor doing their homework. You know why that happened? Because you all, prayerfully and by God's grace, made a dream, I quote, a dream come true. I found myself, every time I walk out there, I found myself saying, thank you, Jesus, for using us, by God's grace, to make a difference, to do this loving thing that Luke just read about in 1 Corinthians 13. You know, friends, since last week, we have been speaking about money, about our giving. And you see this basket up front here in just a few minutes, we're going to invite all of us to come forward and make our commitments and place them in there. But as we do, I find there is some power, there is some encouragement, there is some classic guidance in the words of Paul in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Because you heard it, he goes through all the big things, moving mountains, speaking in angelic tongues, prophesy, becoming a martyr. And he says that even though it looks like all that is the big important stuff, he says if you do not have love, if we don't have love, we are a religious poser. Or in his words, we are nothing. And then to our our point today, he goes to our theme over these weeks. He speaks to our giving. He says, you can give it all away. But if you don't have love, we gain nothing. See, his point, and the point of the large chapter, is that love, love, needs to be central to all that we do. 
And when it is, he says, things like that habitat house out there, lives are changed. Signs of the kingdom of God erupt and come forth. And so, as we cast our scan into the Scriptures this morning, Paul and the Spirit, they invite us to take a look through this lens, not just upon our giving, but indeed upon all of our finances. Or to paraphrase the Apostle Paul in context, and to quote Tina Turner out of context, what's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? I mean, the question invites a fearful thought. What if we ask the question as we look at all of our finances? What if we thought about that as we look at our credit card statement, our Amazon expenditures, our bank statements, our investment portfolios, giving statements from the church? What's love got to do with it? And then what happens when we open up that same view to Jesus and his words that we heard from the 24th chapter of Matthew? where he says the most important thing in your life, in our life, is to love God. Love God. And love our neighbors. So let's just do that for a few minutes. Let's dare to open up that box. Let's dare to open up our entire financial perspective, finances, to the words of Jesus, the words of Paul, and dare we say Tina Turner, and ask what's love got to do with it? And please remember, as we open up this verse, we're only looking at the tip of the iceberg of all the multitudes of verses and pieces of Scripture where our finances, our money, our resources, where that's all addressed. And understand that as we look through it, you can sum it all up with one uh, sort of simple phrase. It's that spiritually speaking, money is a big deal. And the tone of the verses around all this, it's, it's not balanced. Though there are several that speak of the power of our use of money, the majority speak to the dangers. I mean, most of the time, if we put it honestly, to put it figuratively, every time you hear the word, it's like there's this big flashing caution sign coming out in front of us that says, be careful here. And that's why. Jesus spoke more about money than he spoke about heaven and hell combined. That's why Jesus spoke more about money than he spoke about prayer. And that's why we, even though it's hard and uncomfortable, that's why we, always in the church, have to speak to this issue. Because the problem is that money, or more specifically, our relationship with money, if it's not handled well, it can at worst sever our relationship with God or perhaps more commonly at least handicap us so that we're sort of limping our way through life on our journey to the kingdom of God. And also, friends, we're Methodists. And as Methodists, we're a church that was founded by John Wesley 250 or so years ago. And you have to know that in our tradition, John Wesley had a whole lot to say about money. In fact, to tell you a story, at the end of his life, Wesley was a bit despondent because he had poured his life, he'd poured decades into the Methodist movement. And ironically, the, the movement was growing in fantastic ways all through England. Churches popping up, small groups popping up, bands of believers popping up, and then it went over to America. And it was just growing 
uh, like crazy all up and down the East Coast. And yet, all this growth, all this stuff happening, Wesley looked into all these churches and he feared that he had sown, and I quote, wild grapes. Let me explain that because Wesley had been in ministry mostly with the poor. See, and when he met with them in the jails and in the mines and in the, the poor areas of England, he found this hunger for the person of Jesus. They found Christ and they were found by him. And then they put a, went into this process of discipleship. And they'd been changed. And in these groups, they changed their habits. And they, one of the places they changed was their habits with money. They became diligent. They became frugal and found themselves increasing in wealth. And as the wealth grew to Wesley's chagrin, they lost their spiritual fervor. To put it in the words of uh, Jesus in the Scriptures, they lost their first love. And of course, Wesley's fear, you can easily demonstrate it. If we look at the growing uh, corpus of believers in Africa and the struggles we have here in Western Christianity. But of course, Wesley got that concern straight from the source, from Jesus himself, who said in stark words, you can't serve both God and money. Where your treasure is, your heart's going to go. But what Wesley did is he came up with this, this classic, this holistic guidance about our use of money so that we don't lose our love, our first love, so that we are not spiritually hamstrung by our own resources. He said it this way, that you and I are to earn all we can, we are to save all we can, and we are to give all we can. I'll say it again. We are to earn all we can, we're to save all we can, and we're to give all we can. Now let me get some clarification there, because Wesley, again, reminded that Wesley worked primarily with the poor in 18th century England. And so in the, this first exhortation, earn all you can, he was calling them and us to work, and to work hard, and to work diligently, to get to that place where you can provide for yourself, provide for your family, create that place of stability out of which you can live and serve, where you're not dependent upon other people. But he was not speaking to our American context, a place that so often seeks to work excessively so that in our worst place, we are working to acquire more. Because we know what happens. We work hard. We easily acquire things, lots of things. And the problem for us can become not sufficiency, you see, but self-sufficiency. To the degree that, truth be told, we don't need God anymore. And or seemingly we don't need God. And truth be told, there's so many other things to take care of in this expanding circle of things and obligation. There just isn't room for this Jesus kingdom stuff. Which leads to the second phrase of Wesley where he said, sure, earn all you can, but he also said, save all you can. Again, a, a cultural clarification. We are called to be good stewards, to, to not spend whimsically, to save and be prepared for the future. But it's not so that in the words of the familiar parable, we can build bigger barns and take life easy. It's so that we can earn and sustain generous giving in the future. 
This week I was reading a story about uh, Minnesota Vikings quarterback uh, Kirk Cousins. Now you may know Kirk Cousins. He makes more than a, a year than all of us make in a lifetime. But early in his career he had a fascinating story. He was in high school in 2005. And he heard a, um, a presentation from a ministry called International Justice. A group back in 2005 was fighting uh, the slave trade, fighting human trafficking. And Cousins, as a young teenager, was, was moved by this. He said, I walked out of that service and I prayed. God, give me more to steward. Give me an opportunity to help someday. And he said that as a result, he is always learning to save so that when he's no longer playing football, he can continue to give generously. Now, Kirk Cousins may not be the premier example of living simply, but he does illustrate Wesleyan's ultimate purpose of saving. Living simply, going without, denying ourselves so that we can be more generous. A a life that makes room for God and others. Let me think about it. Every time we acquire something, We have to deal with it. We have to fix it. We have to take care of it. We have to manage one more thing. And our things and our activities, they can be like those computer viruses that that gradually consume the hard drive. Now, most of us, when that happens on a computer, we just get a new computer. We get a new hard drive. But the problem is we can't get a bigger soul. Something has to give. And often, if we're not careful... It is our relationship with Christ that yields. And so Wesley reminds us, save all you can. Let some of those things go so that there's room in your life, our life, for the most important things. Well, again, Wesley was frustrated in these days because he taught these rules over the years and he recognized that people in his day, as in ours, had become exceedingly good at the first two rules. But of course, people then, as now, conveniently neglect the third rule, which is, of course, the foundation, the ultimate purpose of the first two. Others who followed Wesley, they would call this being a two-thirds Christian who could earn and save but struggle to the, for the, with the giving part. He knew, as we should today, that it is the third rule that saves us. Now, it's Jesus that ultimately saves, of course. But you see, it is generosity that keeps us embraced in the spiritual life. It's a part of our discipleship. And of course, the most important part of it all is not maintaining the church, supporting the church, keeping the church budget afloat. All that certainly does matter. But you see, our spiritual life is dependent upon our generosity. Because it's extraordinarily difficult to maintain an active, a a functional, a vital, a transformative relationship with Christ if we can't release our money joyfully and generously to serve the kingdom. That's why pledge cards matter so much. I appreciated what Katie said to us last week about how completing that card is sort of a holy time, a special time for her family. Because this is the place where we do it, where we say this is where we want to earn all we can, save all we can, give all we can. And last week... I reminded us around some guidance about how we give, that we ask each member and long-term visitor to make a pledge that represents a sacrificial portion of our income with the goal of working towards the tithe. 
And it's a fair question to ask, what is a sacrificial portion? And and recognizing it is, of course, relative. But I found a quote this week from C.S. Lewis that I think is helpful. He says, I don't believe that one can settle on how much we ought to give. I am afraid that the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditures on comforts, luxuries, amusements is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. Then he brings it all home. He says this, There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude them. Friends, that's why I'm a believer in the concept of tithing. Tithing is a Hebrew word. It means giving 10% over to the Lord. But the point is not accountant precision or accuracy. The point is that this number represents a decent place to begin to think about what could be a sacrificial portion of which we speak. But we also recognize that is an awful big jump for an awful lot of folks. That's why it might be helpful to take smaller steps, 1% or 2% a year, to make our way up to that place. Either way, I think the goal helps us to seek a way to limit our lifestyle so that we can be more generous, more like Jesus, because for him, love has everything to do with it. And again, that's why, friends, I really appreciate these pledge cards. I mean, these pledge cards, we've been doing this as Methodists for a long time. And if you read the, the literature, some people would say these pledge cards are outdated. But I really disagree. Have you ever thought about how powerful it is when you place this pledge card in this basket? Have you ever thought about what happens when you do that? I mean, all the things that occur every time, anytime you do it every week, but whenever we do this today, you place that in the basket, you said, I seek God first. I seek God's kingdom first. Whenever you place that in there, you're able to say, this is where my God is my treasure, and this is a place where my heart can follow into all of this. When you place your pledge card in here, you're saying love has everything to do with it. When you place your pledge card in here, it's a way that you can seek first the kingdom and invest your life, my life, in a way that matters eternally. It's a gift to be able to do this, to be able to participate so that our lives matter in this world and in the world to come. And it's also a way that I can say, I'm going to earn all I can, I'm going to save all I can, but it's also a way I'm going to give all I can. Now we're going to invite Daniel to sing for us here for a bit. But as we're doing that, um, we'd like to invite you to come on up. And you can place your pledge card here in this basket. And uh, we're going to pray for it and commit those to the work of the Lord in the coming year. Take some time, all the time you need, to be up here on the altar rail and pray. But I hope you will join me today as we bring these pledge cards forward to commit our work to the coming year. We invite you to come.
We now join me in prayer as we commit these pledges to the work of Christ in the coming year. Let us pray together. Lord God, these are just pieces of paper in a basket, and yet they represent us. They represent our desires. They represent our dreams. They represent our consummate desire to serve you and your kingdom in the coming year. We humbly offer them up to you with the prayer that by your Spirit you enable us to be great stewards of the incredible generosity of this church. Lord God, we do not know what's coming in the year 2024. We don't know what 2024 holds, but you hold 2024. It is our prayer that whatever is coming in the future, that these gifts, these commitments, would be means of your grace, that would equip us as a church to serve, to love, to reach out in grace. Lord, surround these commitments. Multiply them for your glory and your generosity. And most of all, may they be a living testimony to the love you have for each of us, the love you offer us in Jesus Christ. We commit these gifts and others to you. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, as all God's people say, Amen. Friends, as we continue this time of prayer, uh, we'd like to enter into our normal time of pastoral congregational prayer, recognizing all the things that are going on in the world today. Let us pray together. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we lift up our prayer to you as your people once again. We have committed these pledges to you. And yet we recognize that we live and serve in a world that is in such deep and profound need. Our eyes go on an almost hourly basis to the Mideast to see all the violence and the hurt, hurt amongst Palestinians, hurt among people of Israel, hurt everywhere. And yet you are a God of grace and compassion, and we want to be like you. We look in this place and see so much hurt, we want to find a way to make it better. Lord, in your grace, reach out into every life that hurts overseas in the violence, and reach out and heal in this place where the Prince of Peace was born. 
We look to Lewiston, Maine this week with those same eyes recognizing there is so much hurt in the midst of so much violence. Lord, look upon this community with the eyes of compassion for we do and watch over those who grieve. Watch over those who hurt and may your peace abide and your healing abide for we ask it through Christ. And Lord, as we come into worship today, there are so many needs and hurts and joys and concerns that every single one of us brings upon our hearts. Lord, it is our prayers we gather as we celebrate your goodness, your praise, your power, your wonder, that you would pour it all out upon every need we offer to you now, even in a moment of silence. Lord God, you are good. You are love. You see every hurt, every joy, every need. And you are not distant from it. As Paul said, the Lord is near. And we thank you and praise you for that. We ask you to minister to every need in this moment, even now. For, O Lord, these prayers and others we offer to you in the strong name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, friends, we continue our worship with our weekly offerings as the ushers come now forward to to receive our gifts for this week.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you are indeed near all of us. We thank you for your love, for your love for this world, for your love for all of us. We thank you for the love that we have with family and friends and so many folks around us. We thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you give us, for the gifts that we earn. We thank you for the gifts that we can save. We thank you for the gifts that we can also share with our world and community around us. We have given back to you now our commitments for 2024, and now we also give back to you this weekly offering. Bless these gifts and use them to make a difference in the world around us. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our final hymn is number 419, I Am Thine, O Lord, verses 1 and 2. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, both now and forevermore, as all God's people say, amen. Go in peace.